It's Monday, February 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analyst Andy Cross and Ron Gross. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, Matt. Good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are going to talk some Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the ads, winners and losers. But we're going to start on a slightly less light note. And by slightly, I mean a lot less much, light. Yes, yes much. we're going to talk coronavirus. The U.S. issuing a travel advisory warning residents not to travel to China. China's foreign ministry accusing the U.S. government of feeding mass hysteria. Now, we're a business show, and we're a show for investors, so we want to talk about that angle with this unfolding story. Economist Mohammed El Arian saying the virus is going to paralyze China and cascade throughout the global economy. And Andy, he says we should resist any inclination to buy the dip. Well, Mohammed, like every other uh, analyst and student of the markets, and then scientist when it comes to the coronavirus, is under operating under a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot we just do not know about this virus. I think as long-term investors, we have to understand that there are going to be situations like this where we just don't have information. We don't know, especially when it comes to health um, outbreaks, and that markets, especially today, that are operating and taking information and making quick decisions. And making conclusions, and that's impacting millions, billions of dollars that's being traded in the marketplace very rapidly. So, individual investors, long term investors like us, have to take all that information in, make sure that we are set to understand how this might impact our portfolios and that our portfolios are set up appropriately from a risk mitigation perspective. So, for me, I'm thinking, okay, do I need to have some more cash on the sidelines? Because I don't know, this might last. Two days. This might last two months. It might last a year. It depends on how the markets are going to react and the seriousness of the virus and the implications on businesses. So investors have to make sure that their portfolios are set up to to handle situations like this in the short term. Yeah, I th- I think it makes sense to compare this to the SARS virus in two thousand two two thousand three. It's the most comparative thing we can look to. That crisis was really measured in terms of months, um, and then we had a, a pretty dramatic rebound. This does seem like it has the potential, at least, to be much worse. So it's it's SARS times two. I don't I don't know. As Andy yeah. said, we don't know how how bad this is going to be. China has become such an essential part of the global supply chain that this will reverberate around the global economy. Obviously, it's not just a China problem. So, you know, semiconductors are going to be impacted. As Andy said, Apple, Starbucks, uh, Walmart will be impacted. Lots of stores over in China. Um, General Motors sells more cars into China than it does into the U.S. Uh, so, lots, lots of industries here. So, so what is one really to do? Um, so, f- I personally would maybe. Wait to put money into those industries. Some of those industries most impacted. I would uh, agree with Mohammed. Don't be too uh, ready to jump in because this could continue to get worse. Um, but on the other hand, I'm also not selling. I'm not going to sell my Starbucks because they perhaps are going to have a shaky six to twelve months or who knows how long. Uh, I take a longer term perspective. If if I owned a store that was uh, down here on the corner of uh, Alexandria, Virginia, and I knew I was going to have a bad year because the flu virus was really tough and people were not coming out to my store, I would not be looking to sell my store. Uh, I would take a much longer uh, outlook. Um, and as Andy said, see if you have money on the sidelines, and then when appropriate, maybe it'd be nice to uh, get some bargains. Let's take one more thing into account. In two thousand and two. 
the um, valuations were uh, not stretched like they are now. So um, investors are almost looking for a reason to sell stocks off. I think that's a great point, Ron, too, because we come off this massive, fantastic 2019 year. We've entered 2020. It's an election year. So there's, as Ron said, investors are looking for reasons to get rid of their stocks and start to make these wholesale decisions where it's like I'm in or I'm out. And we really want to advise listeners out there and and members and investors who follow our advice not to take that that perspective. If you want to have some, use this as an opportunity to maybe take some money and build up your cash position. I think that's smart. Um, I wouldn't go certainly not go a whole hog, but if you want to add a little bit, a few more percent to your holdings into cash, I think that's fine. We're coming off a very good time in the markets, and the stocks have been um, now historically selling at a richer multiple. So, this situation could be a chance to make sure that your portfolio is set up to be able to last for the for the length of um, any kind of timeline around this virus. But what about the person who who sees this story? I mean, we often say, and we, we hear, and we know that emotion can be the enemy of investors, right? It can sure. lead us to make yeah, sure. bad decisions, um, decisions that are much more short-term focused. So, what about someone who's watching this play out, and they say, you know what? It's the same business that it was a month ago. It just happens to have been particularly hit by this you know, in the short term, so why not buy more? What do you say to that person who says, this is a hiccup, it's the same business, so I'm going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to invest? That actually is a fair thing to say, and you probably would be fine doing that. Who's to say if it's going to get even weaker and you would have an opportunity to buy it even cheaper? No one really knows that. So, you know, like Warren Buffett says, if you have a steak on Monday and the same steak is cheaper on Friday, he loves that and he's happy to buy the same steak at a cheaper price. So, you can do that in this particular case. Just don't be impulsive, I think is what Muhammad was kind of saying, and I agree with that. Either on the sell side or the buy side, impulsiveness never works. I think what's really Really critical is understand your holding time period, and that if you are going to be an investor who's holding these businesses for three, five years, you can certainly take that approach. If if you're a little bit more short term, this is one reason why we don't like being the short term. Is these stocks are going to be more volatile. Their businesses will be hit. Ron pointed out a couple industries, and in fact, I think a lot of industries will be um, hit by this. So understand that's going to have an impact on earnings. Uh, so if your time horizon again, please stretch out your time horizon. Think more in those three five-year periods, even longer when you're buying businesses and being a long-term investor in those and taking advantage is is fine, to Ron's point, and to Muhammad's, maybe not just be, don't be, never be impulsive, and certainly don't use this as a chance to start being impulsive. Okay, well, it's time for an abrupt segue. We are going to move to the Super Bowl. Silly rabbit segues are for kids. <laughs> and Super Bowl commercials. I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl commercials. And we're going to start with the top five commercials according to Ad Meter. Okay. The number one ranked commercial was Jeep's Groundhog Day featuring Bill Murray. Number two was Hyundai's Smart Pock. Um, number three was Google Loretta, where the man used Google Assistant to bring up memories of his late wife. Number four was Doritos The Cool Ranch, which featured a showdown between Lil Nas and Sam Elliott. And coming in at number five was Rocket Mortgage's Comfortable Spot. Featuring the guy you know who plays Aquaman, so <laughs> the guy. Jason Momoa, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's lead off. Ron Gross. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a standout or favorite or overall thought on Super Bowl ads? 
I thought they were pretty good this year. I'm not one that each year is glued to the TV. You can't wait for them, but you know, I always keep a, keep a, an eye on them. And and this year, I think they were pretty good. Some fell flat for sure. Um, the Google ad, boy, oh boy, that got me. I had to, I had to excuse yeah. myself for a moment, pretended I had some allergies. I needed to clear up, um, because uh, that was that was pretty emotional. Crush me. Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty tears? impactful. Were there tears? I, you know, I, I got glossy eyed. How yeah. about that? Yeah, I got a little weepy. I got a little weepy. I thought the second half commercials were much better than the first half. Um, I like that list that Ad Meter. I'm not sure who Ad Meter is or how they rate these ads, but I did like. I liked all they that they um, they mentioned. Um, I thought the Alexa ad from um, Amazon with um, uh, Ellen DeGeneres and Portia De Rossi. De Rossi. Yeah. I thought that was very good. I like that the idea of like how do we live before we could just kind of ask Alexa and they kind of went through different historical funny situations. I thought that was that was that was a nice um, uh, ad that basically pointed to the value of this but also spoke to the brand, the brand power uh, of Alexa and Amazon in general. Um, I, overall I thought they were okay. I didn't I didn't think any particular super funny. Um, Although I did like the the Bill Murray ad um, for Jeep was pretty funny. Love that. But I had to explain to my <laughs> yeah. daughters because they didn't understand <laughs> who Bill Murray was and what Groundhog. Yeah, it was built was. around but the But they're movie less than Groundhog ten years Day. old. So I Smack Pack made me laugh the most, I yeah. think, or made me smile for the, Hyundai. The most. Yep. That was that was pretty clever, and I would I would watch that again. I thought actually, that was a very whereas good most ad. of yeah. these I would, doesn't doesn't yeah. appeal to me to watch again. So in terms of the business impact. Is there one of these ads that you look at and you think, you know what, I did? I think that did the most for the business? One that I particularly had a little bit of a discussion in my family, because it was environmentally focused, was the Michelob Ultra Pure Gold ad that talked about the environmental impact for farmers. Yep. So, Michelob is transitioning six square feet of farmland to organic for every six-pack that you buy of Michelob Pure Gold 6. So, um, that way it helps farmers as we transition and also helps the environment. I thought that was very impactful for Michelob and for their consumers. The other ads, because they're such large companies, I was like, what's the real value of them? This one was like directly, oh, I can see my benefit if I buy this six pack, I can help the the farmers um, who help provide the products. So I thought that was that was impactful from a consumer side. Yeah, I think some of the ones we mentioned resonated from a business perspective. The Amazon Alexa one really reminds you of how how far we've come and all the amazing things that we can now do um, with with um, voice activated computers like Alexa. Uh, I think the Google one would stick with me. Think of all the things that that you can do using Google. Uh, for some reason, uh, the Verizon ad, which I haven't heard much. Many people talk about the one that's um, focused on 5G and, and the firefighters. That that really stuck with me, and I think it will continue to stick with me because it was an emotional kind of uh, had an emotional impact on me. It didn't have much to do with 5G. It didn't really tell you what 5G was or really what it would do, um, but it's going to stick with me. Okay. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to do a lightning round and spot you up with a few of the other ads and get your quick take. Mm. And let's begin with the Snickers ad. I, I actually liked this ad about Snickers and feeding the world of Snickers because it actually brought back memories of the old Coca-Cola ad. Mm. I'd like to teach the world to sing where they're all walking and singing and everyone's feeling good. What do you think about the Snickers ad? 
the the singing was fine. I didn't get the big hole at the end. Like, <laughs> Someone fell in the hole. I think. Yeah, I I, I thought it fell a little flat. They for were me. feeding. Yeah. They were feeding the earth. They were feeding the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was. So. I thought it was fine. I mean, they that bit, that huge Snickers bar they carried in with a helicopter. I think at the end, like it did put to to Ben that it was Snickers. So I liked that, but I didn't really think the ad was particularly that. Great. Okay, Facebook's ad for Facebook groups. I I confess I really liked that ad. Face- yeah, I, I like that one. I thought that I I, I saw a couple um, articles that kind of panned it a little bit, but I thought it was it was I think that was their only ad. So I I appreciated the fact that they were going out there trying to emphasize the value of the Facebook network and the ability to connect people. So I I thought that was pretty good. And how about the Microsoft spot featuring Katie Sowers, um, the first woman to coach in the NFL? She's an assistant coach with the San Francisco 49ers. I, I, per, I really, I really like this one. Great. This is one of my favorite ones. It was very light on Microsoft. Not until the end did you really understand that it was a Microsoft. I yeah, think, agreed, right? generally, yeah, yeah. but I thought that was very powerful and, and spoke to the the real um, a testament to, to what Katie has done at the at the 49ers. That's that's very impressive. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it does much for Microsoft, but I think it was still a great great message. Yeah. Uh, for folks watching, and let's close with the planters ad. Now there was there was there was a, a lot of kerfuffle over the last couple of weeks about the like the death of the planters peanut guy, and so the planters ad. In case you didn't see it, it's Wesley Snipes presiding over the funeral, and you think that they are you know basically the Mister Planters Peanut guy is dead, and turns out that he is reincarnated right as a, as a baby. Yeah. Uh, As a baby peanut, I think I think it's a big miss there, and I didn't get why the baby peanut sounded like a dolphin. <laughs> he did sound like a dolphin. <laughs> the only funny part of that was when he said something like, "Where's my monocle?" That, yes, that made me yes. giggle. And, and it was also <laughs> odd that Mr. Kool Aid, Mr. Kool Aid, was at the funeral and he was crying. You know, the big picture of Kool Aid, yeah, and his tear is what brought Mr. Peanut back. And you know what? I don't think they would have been in the same social group. So the ad, I mean, do you picture Mr. Peanut and Mr. Kool Aid hanging out together? <laughs> no, I, I didn't get this one. It, it I mean, I think Mr. Kool Aid was probably a more of an intro. I'm not sure he had a lot of deep friendships. I mean, I know he's a nice, fun guy. <laughs> the Kool Aid guy is a bit boisterous. Yeah, he's boisterous. I mean, are you hanging out with him? The whole, the whole thing. I mean, on, on, a, on a slightly more serious note, I think the reason that doesn't work. I'm not sure people really care about Mr. Peanut. I mean, do you do, were you affected at all by his death? Not in any way. No. Okay. No. Well, there you go. It, yeah. <laughs> so that was a miss. But we did talk about it around the office quite a bit. We so did. maybe that's what Planters was looking for. Well, what we talked about is the, right? they gave him this backstory right. where he was in World War One, and I'm like, that's a terrible backstory because <laughs> if you're serving in the war and you're like in a trench <laughs> with a peanut with Mr. Peanut, you're so bummed. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm a dead man. When you say we around the office, do you really mean Mac? Yeah, Mac. Yes. Okay. As we wrap up the Desert Island question, let's focus on four of the big publicly traded companies that advertise on the Super Bowl. You're on a desert island for the next five years. You can only own one of these stocks: Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, or Facebook. Oof. Well, first of all, I think you should own all four. Yeah. And that's a nice little little portfolio you got there. The, if I had to pick one, it's it's almost literally almost yeah. impossible. I own uh, Facebook, um, and I used to own Microsoft. I'm kicking myself. I own all of them. them I of think course. you own all of them. Um, uh, they're, they're, it's not Facebook. That would be my last on the list of the four. Okay. Um, I'll say gosh. Amazon. 
I'll say Microsoft just to take the other side of the I trade. I like that. That the was a good side one. Of the cloud trade. That was a good one. Okay. Well, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Andy and Ron, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.